Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm interviewing Natalie St. Hilaire today. Natalie has been on the podcast once before to talk about codependence versus independence. And today we're discussing the mass hypnosis of identity politics. Like a lot of people, I've noticed that there's something strange within the social justice movement. In a world where we have so much expressed interest in creating inclusivity and tolerance, the world is more intolerant and divided than ever before. And I know you see it too, but why? I think Natalie really hit the nail on the head in this discussion about identity. And I hope you'll pull a few gems out of this conversation. Natalie is a somatic therapist, a leader in transformational work, a yoga teacher, and a business owner. Natalie has a really gentle and thoughtful way of discussing topics that can be really, really challenging. I think we can learn a lot, not only from Natalie's unique ideas about identity, but how to have a conversation around challenging topics just like this. Before we start the show, I got to pay the bills. This episode is brought to you by The Sovereign. The Sovereign helps build you up from the inside out. You get a incredible online wellness studio with practices for your mental and physical health, an online community filled with people just like you, freedom thinkers, the sense makers, and each and every month we bring in all kinds of experts to talk to you about everything from investments to creating additional streams of revenue, uh, building food security, how to live off the land, spirituality, literally anything and everything you might need for a world gone wild. The membership is only $44 a month until the end of the year, and then it's doubling in the new year. So get in now while you can. This community is incredible, and you'll have a chance to meet with me both live and on demand each and every week. Check out the show notes for the link to join. And with that, let's get into the show. I'd love for you to meet Natalie Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I have with me today my friend Natalie St. Hilaire. Natalie has been on the podcast before. This is round two. She might be back again. Um, but uh, thank you for joining us again, Nat. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Stoked. 
Natalie and I are friends. We work in similar industries. She lives out in Calgary, Alberta. She is uh, a therapist, a yoga studio owner, and she has been in the transformational uh, work realm for over 15 years. Natalie, what can you add uh, to that introduction to maybe people that don't know you? Yeah, well, I I studied somatic coaching um, and and I have a commerce degree. So I have this very like interesting, I think, background that goes beyond just owning a yoga studio, not that just owning a yoga studio isn't a thing, certainly has been over the last two years, three years, I guess. Um, but prior to that, I sold software for 10 years uh, and I had a commerce degree, have a commerce degree with a major in economics and law. So I have this very, like, I understand things economically and legally. And then as soon as I got into my job, got settled, started doing well at that, I started studying yoga. And then as soon as I started learning about that, I went into transformational work and then into somatics. So I feel like we're kindred spirits in that we've both spent a lot of time studying a bunch of different areas which has made this moment in time really interesting because when I take all of that learning and I integrate it and I look at the world, um, I just, I think it's created a, a little bit of a unique perspective for me. So I'm happy to talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the more perspectives, the better we can really get sucked into our own industries, our own echo chambers, our own ways of thinking. I think it's really unique, but also really valuable that you have all these different uh, different practices under your belt. I think the world needs a little bit more of that, especially watching and seeing how tribal the world is. Left versus right, white versus black, uh, ideologies, all of these things are very, very binary. And then I don't think people know what to do with someone like you that has logic and structure and spirituality. They're like, well, well I, I don't get it. What box do you fit in though? What team, Natalie? <laughs> yeah, I don't I I don't ever want to join a team. I I think that the minute that we make a team, um we actually cause a separation, which is one of the like one of the things that the ego really rides is the idea that we're separate. Like if you know like and and as soon as I make you into something separate from me, something different than me, I believe that um the term othering gets sort of misused this way because it's actually an egoic separation. And it just means that I'm not part of humanity. You're not part of humanity because how could there be a humanity since there's separations? Mm -hmm. I think anyone that's listening right now, no matter your uh, personal beliefs, religion, political stance, I think we could all probably agree that there is a lot of division in the world. There's a lot of, there's a lot of divide. There's a lot of upset and it, it seems to be getting worse, not better. It seems to be amplified. And that's the reason I wanted to bring you on today is because you have a really good understanding and perspective about identity, identity politics. Um, can you tell us more just what are you seeing in the world right now when it comes to identity? Sure. I think um, I'll start with like the basic teaching um, that I believe most spiritual teachers have been 
uh, you know, trying to get us to see for since the beginning of, of spiritual teachings, uh, one of the things, um, and this is that our, we don't have an identity. We are just, I am. So we are in experiences that is occurring right now. I am just in the experience of sitting here in front of my computer on a Zoom call with my friend Carla having a conversation. And that experience is going on right now. And aside from that, I don't actually need to identify as anything. I just need to experience the I am that I am. So that's like a, a quote, right? I am that I am. And so this is a deep spiritual teaching. And um, I guess it's something that I, I studied and that really resonated with me since the beginning of my you know, spiritual yogic studies. Um, and, and what happened was actually in January of 2020. So if you think about like timelines, January of 2020 was before COVID. COVID was March of 2020, Black Lives Matter, June of 2020. I was at a training seminar in San Francisco and um, I was told that I was racist. And that was surprising to me. It was surprising information. Um, certainly, I can understand uh, the theory that they are, were working with, which is the common sort of theory that's out there right now, which is that we are all racist to some degree or to another. But the issue I had with it in that particular room was that I really, I was under the impression that I was being given spiritual teachings. So underneath that is just the I am. And so starting to just only see life and other people through the lens of racism uh, I was I was like, well, this is like a really not a good direction. This is not the direction of like the rest of my my teachings. So right away, I, I was like, what is even happening? And I approached them to try to talk about it and um, got shut down. Um, and 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 then the world unfolded over the course of the next two and a half, three years. And I've just seen this problem getting worse and worse. I've just seen more division. Um, and, you know, I don't think you have to go very far to, to get what I'm saying there. I mean, just turn on Twitter and, and, and watch that horror show for <laughs> five minutes. Um, you know, it's constant argument. It's constant side taking. Uh, it's name calling. And, uh, you know, it's really like devolving our ability to be unified. And, and in order to be like moving anything forward, we have to have like a unified vision. That's just like, like if there's a split in vision, we cannot, like we're stuck, which is what I see right now. Let's break down that idea of uh, I am a little bit more for people that, you know, don't have a yoga practice, a spiritual practice. They might not understand like that idea, right? And there's ways to talk about it, like as an individual, like this experience of like nothingness, but can you speak to that more um, in terms of like connectedness? Like the reason that you feel nothing is that also you are connected. And once you experience that, there's also an experience of connection with like us and other people, us and our creator. Um, can you just um, add more language around like I am for people that maybe don't have a spiritual practice, like the idea of being connected versus separate? Yeah, well, it's such a great question. And I, I don't know that 
it is experiential. So one of the reasons that I think that we don't have this like nailed down is because a lot of the teachers that teach this teach it in a way where you experience it. Mm -hmm. It's just a like we've all had these experiences from time to time where we're with people that we love, that love us, and there's nothing kind of like in between us. We, we feel uh, harmonious and connected and things are easy. Maybe there's like creativity happening. There's ideas, spontaneous ideas coming from nowhere. and We're like on fire. We know what to do. And there's nothing like holding us back. These would be some of the fields that happen when we're more in that energy of like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be something because that's the problem with identity is like, I, as soon as I choose an identity, like I'm trying to be a good daughter. You're just going to be trying all the time. It is mm -hmm. like, it's like grappling. It's like reaching instead of just like, I, I am, I am this human with this other human who is in the position of you know mother or father and we're just connecting we're just existing together so, so as a oh sorry go ahead please as a yoga studio owner you teach eastern wisdom practices i've heard you draw some really good parallels between like eastern wisdom practices and then like western christian democracies in terms of connectedness um how are those two things similar like how are they teaching the same thing and also like where might they be different they're, they're both spiritual practices so we're saying that that idea like comes from spiritual practices how are they similar how are they uh different well the western western democracy and western culture really is has a has a christian background right so you go to the the christian teachings to look at that and, um, you know, Jesus said, like, you're all children of God. That's your identity. Mm -hmm. He gave us an identity and he said, guess what? You're all equal. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, in the Eastern traditions, you're more in the looking for that experience of expansiveness where those identities start to fall away. And then you discover that connectedness, that equality of, of just being with other humans as they are accepting all of us yourself them moving and being and experiencing life in some kind of co-creation some kind of collaboration less separation so like christian western democracies it's almost just more prophetic someone read it you guys are actually all equal you're all one you're all children of god eastern spiritual practices more experiential so instead of being told that maybe you're told that too but you're going to go down this like journey of self-discovery and but the result's going to be the same what you're actually going to discover is you're all one yeah uh in that experience well like it i think the way that it is okay so here's here's how i would break this one down specifically so jesus actually said you are like um, the leaves on a tree, like every human is like is like a, a leaf on the branches of a tree. And then the tree is like the source. The tree is like God. OK, and so like I believe in, in the East, it's sort of the same thing. You're wanting to connect back to that source energy to experience that we're all coming from the same energy. 
See, like we're all part of the same tree, the tree of humanity, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it can be a little bit confusing um, and, and feel like it lacks boundaries if we're supposed to be like, oh, we're all connected. Because the reality is in physical reality, like we're not, we're, 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 we are, you're like, you're in Kenora, I'm in Calgary. We're not like physically part of, of, of the same space right now, but we're, we're, we're from that, that same energy source and we're connected back to it. And if we can make a more direction, direct connection back by giving up that attachment we have to being separate through our identities, we get more of that source energy, like moving through us and being in our life. And we see that more in other people too. Okay. So I'm starting to see the picture here, like regardless of the spiritual practice chosen, they have their own stories, their own methods, but the goal, even though we are physically disconnected, we're trying to find a way to connect to one another or to connect to spirit. So it, it does have a goal of connection. So how does that differ from what is being taught everywhere right now from schools to uh, businesses? How is I the teachings of identity? How is that different from all of these spiritual teachings? Well, the issue that I take with it is that when you make identity the source of the most important thing that you're looking at, you strengthen that attachment to separation. Mm -hmm. So if everything about me that's important is like my race, if that's like the, the most important thing that I've got to contend with, and then in dealing with other people, also the most important thing, or like, like, there's like a structural systemic oppression list that they that they have generated in this sort of ideology that's out there right now and it and it lists like which identities fall where on the on the on the systemic oppression scale so not not only have they like said that if this is your identity like you know, I, I would be pretty like, I'd be pretty high on like oppressive because I'm white. I'm, I'm cisgender. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm heterosexual. Um, so, you know, I'm in, I'm in the West. So that's my common culture. I'm, I'm part of the, the colonizer culture. So very high on the oppressor scale. Um, and, and so the idea is to, to invert that. So I understand it has like a very, um, like, like oh, there's a lot of good people that that think that this is going to work. The issue that I see is that um, it, it it's attaching me to now an identity and it's attaching everybody else to an identity. And then instead of coming from like, we're all connected, we're all equal. It's saying like, actually, like it's giving us a hierarchy of people based on their identities. So I, like it's it's doing like the opposite of basically you know everything I've been studying and and learning and, and trying to do my whole life. So I guess you know for me looking at that it, it's just really I can't um, you know and I would love to talk to somebody that could you know, resolve this contrast, to, but I, but um, in offering to discuss it with people I've I've pretty much been shut down. So, um, you know, I don't under, I, what I'm seeing is that if we base everything on people's identities and then we give those identities like a hierarchy, we're, 
we're doomed. We're doomed because it's just a total ego trip. Like, like you want to give your ego something to like mess around with and play around with, give it an identity and put it on a scale and measure it based on other people's identities. It's game over for humanity. Like we don't, (laughs) our egos will just like gobble that up. And then it's just like, So someone that someone that might disagree with you might be listening and saying, well, Natalie hasn't done the work. She hasn't done the work. She has to uh, she has to deal with her discomfort. She has to work through this. Um, I'm not sure if you've done like anti-racism work, but I have because when all this stuff started happening, I like everyone else felt like, oh, my God, I, I didn't. I, okay, this is an issue. I have no problem going into uncomfortable work. I'm a coach. I've done shadow work. I've done uh, plant medicine. I have no problem doing this work. So I read quite a few uh, anti-racism books. I did anti-racism yoga trainings. And I have a very strong sense of intuition. And honestly, I, I, I honestly believe I can humble my opinions. I actually... I actually really, this might surprise people. I actually don't want to be right. I actually just want to do things that work. So I did all these things. Meanwhile, watching Black Lives Matter burn down cities, steal money, and I still stayed in it. And anytime I tried to question it, you know, it it meant something about me or I was called a name and I still stayed in the work. And then I remember listening to people, uh, if you genuinely had a question, about what the right thing was to do you would be shut down how don't you dare ask someone of a minority uh, population a question don't ask any questions um you just have to do your work don't apologize don't and there was this huge list of don't so you weren't allowed to ask questions you weren't supposed to apologize you like there was there was just no There was no way out. And then if you complained about the fact that there was no way out of this predicament, then that just meant that that was your white privilege, your white tears, this or that. The problem that I see, A, is just very logically watching everything that's happening. Everything is getting worse. I We're on the brink of a civil war here, the way this is going, watching every single social media platform, watching cancel culture. It's horrific to watch this tribalism. But at the end of the day, there's no way out. The goal of all of this isn't equality. The goal isn't equality. The goal is not connection. The goal is equity. The goal is punishment. And then I started reaching out to people for the show, people in the BIPOC community, people in the indigenous community, people in the gay community, in the trans community. And I found a whole lot of people that also think the way that you and I do, which is this is incredibly divisive. It's just not working. I think, you know, if it worked, go for it, go for it. But, and yes, as a white woman, people are like, well, maybe it's working for you just fine. But I'm talking to people in these communities who are also saying it's not working for them and they don't like what's happening. I'm not surprised to hear that because the, the problem like the problem that humans have is their ego, right? Like, and when I say that, it's the tendency to come from fear and self-preservation, the tendency to 
um, to do whatever it takes to make ourselves safe as an identity. And it's so interesting that this is coming up in this way at the beginning of, and I know it might not seem like the beginning, but it really is this beginning of the age of our identities going into like some virtual space, right? So we're sort of like, um, we feel like there's more ability to play with our identity, which there is. The problem is, is that we have these physical bodies that are built on survival mechanisms. And we are constantly looking to protect our identity. That is who you think I am, like as a good person or, um, you know, like a good business owner or a good teacher, whatever it is I want to look good for. I'm going to go and I'm going to protect that about me through fight, flight, freeze. Mm -hmm. Now, that might not mean that I'm going to like, challenge you to a fist fight, <laughs> but I might just try to like dominate you in a conversation or cancel you and get a bunch of people to agree with me and to can will cancel you together. And mm -hmm. that's how the ego plays out the survival mechanism thing. Cause we're not like, we have, we are just, you know, we're, we're struggling with that. Like human beings are struggling to overcome their identification with their ego like identity and ego kind of same thing most of the time for most people doesn't mean there's not a way out but like as long as you're coming from fear around your identity trying to be something um that's you're going to use fight flight freeze and you'll do it socially I think the clearest example of cause and effect is just by witnessing and watching what's happening with children. Instead of telling children that they shouldn't see these divides, we're telling them to pay all of your attention to the differences between yourself, between each other. Um, you know, when it comes to ideas of like gender, for example, like you have these ideas saturating elementary schools and junior high schools in a time in a kid's life when they are hyper aware of how awkward they are they don't know what their style is oh my god did someone just like give me a weird eye uh are people talking like they're already like that now you have the whole world telling them well, make sure they don't misgender you, make sure that they don't call you the wrong name, make like, now you have their attention like 10 times on their outer appearance, on their name, on all these things with zero emphasis on what's actually similar about you? What, how can you connect with this person? Are they funny? Are they kind? Uh, do they play soccer just like you? It's like, no, all the attention is on your physical appearance, uh, your pronouns, your name. And you can't tell me kids are happy right now. They are not, they are not. And I think it's just clear evidence in front of our eyes, how damaging and divisive these policies are. Well, if we as adults can't you know, overcome our tendency to operate out of fear around these identities, which I would say like even making a list of identities and putting them on a hierarchy is like a fearful thing to do. But like if we can't even come out of that, we, we to teach children that the most important thing about them is their identity, in my mind, it like it is to spiritually block them. 
because the whole name of the game is to give up your identity enough that you can connect to something bigger than you, that, that you can connect to some kind of source energy, and then that you start to see that that's actually the same source energy in all these other people, these other humans around you in all of life. Mm-hmm. And that's how you start to experience that connected state. And I mean, I'm just like a baby at that. Like I, 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 I just know it's real. I've had experiences of it. Um, and, and I know it's possible for humanity. Um, and I hope that it's more and more possible for me as I practice and as I age and as I study, but, um, to be teaching children that the most important thing about them is their identity. And, um, as I, I don't, I don't see the way forward or through that. And I'd like to say that, um, I, I believe in the truth. I think it's incredibly important to talk about history, to talk about social injustice, to talk about the things that have happened. We should absolutely do that. But this is something different that has been sprinkled on top now to tell like a child that's born in 2009, that they are a perpetrator or a victim based on their skin color when they didn't have anything to do with these historical events. And the problem with that is it's deterministic. They can't change their skin color. So it victimizes everyone, right? The the perpetrator can never get out of being a perpetrator. They can they can do their work like we're told, like they can do their work, but where where does it where does it go? Um, and then the people that are in minority groups, they're told that you are a victim, you are forever a victim. You should always be on the lookout for being victimized. It, I think it hurts both parties tremendously. And I just don't actually see, I don't see where they get out, like where, where we win. So I, to that, maybe people would say, well, that's where we change policies and business. That's where we try and lift people up. I'm like, sure, we should. I believe in social justice. I believe in in helping uplift people that started from a different place in society. That's different than equity. Equity is it's like punishment. I don't know. Can you? I'm kind of blabbering. Yeah, yeah there, no, there's like a couple good ideas on what you're saying. So I'll talk about the the just the one really briefly is like, well, what I think is that there are a lot of good intentions out there about like, we're going to resolve this by just like making sure that we have the right amount of different types of people in these different places and that that will resolve it, you know, so that that's the equity stuff, right? We're going to put like the right amount of this race and this gender in these um, corporations at this level or in these groups uh, in this way. And it's just a, it's, it's like, I think where it's coming from is it's, it's like, it's an idea we could try that we could actually figure out how to do. And so that's going on and that's ongoing. But the thing that you said that was actually pretty interesting to me too, is just the recognition that a lot of this is keeping people in um, what's called like the drama triangle. So the drama triangle, something that the ego plays out, and that's where um, I'm either a victim or a perpetrator or a martyr, and that those are the three positions on the drama triangle. And 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 then through um, guilt, like through through the guilt of your history, right? You're either a perpetrator or a victim. So it's just establishing 
this egoic drama triangle for people to sit in and teaching it to children. And that's why I say, I think it's going to create a block for them, like a inescapable kind of a situation if they believe that that's actually how life is. And that's like, I, and I'm not even saying anything yet about the present moment, right? Like, again, you go to spiritual teachings, especially in the East, it's all about, can you just be here right now? Like just be here. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the past, you know? And, and then now we're teaching children that they are not their, not only just their past, but their ancestors past. Now, again, just like you, like, I wouldn't say that there are not implications to that in the here and now that, and, 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 and inequities that we need to deal with. That is not at all what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that I'm like, I feel like this is a very dubious approach. Well, there, there are, there is racism and there are real social injustices, which is probably the biggest issue that I have to take with this is you are weaponizing the guilt of well-meaning people that already cared. Meanwhile, this deterministic and amplifying way of looking at all systems, it takes the people that had some learning to do and they have checked out of the conversation altogether. They're getting angrier. So you had the people that already cared and now they just feel shame, right? And then you take all the people that needed to learn and they're just getting angrier. So now you have real social justice injustice happening and you have people not willing to look at it because this ideology has said, well, everything's racist. Everyone is racist. So if everything is racist and everyone is racist, why would you care? So it starts to just water down the real instances of social injustice. Why would you care if you already are? There's nothing you can do about it. All systems are, you know, I've heard like math is racist. Like there's just no, again, there's nowhere to go. And everyone's angry. Everyone either feels shame or anger, shame or anger. There's no connection. Meanwhile, there's actual social injustice happening and people are turning a blind eye to it because everything has just been watered down. I mean, you want to, like, this is the thing about the ego is it sets up these no win situations. The minute that you're in a drama triangle and you're focusing on who's to blame, like the blame game is just like, it's like you, it's like sugar to the ego. It's, it's like, you, you can't, if you, it, you can't give the ego anything better to create out of rather than like, who's guilty here? Who's the bad one? That's, that's, you know, once things start to um, unfold from that place, just nothing good can happen. And humanity, the truth about humanity is, is that we're not particularly good at untangling ourselves from that predicament at a personal level. So like, you know, it does take a lot of work to start to see where I've been in fear and in a drama triangle in my personal life. Mm. And when I start to untangle that, maybe then I'm going to be able to look out at society and start to offer those sorts of solutions, you know, societally in community. Mm -hmm. But we're not 
and, and it doesn't mean people shouldn't try. And it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of good intentions out there and that things aren't moving forward. But it's just like what you're saying, Carla, like what I see is increased division and anger. And, and you know, you want to start a war, you make one group one thing and you make another group another thing. And then you tell the other each group that the other one's to blame. Yeah. And it's like it's it, we've been doing that since the beginning. Like yeah. humanity has been that is like a. I mean, it's just kind of like an old game we've been playing. And I mean, to watch things devolve into that again is really, um, well, I I mean, I'm not just going to sit idly by. No, things are, I there were problems before, but you can't say that things are better now ever since these ideologies broke out. They're not. And you know, people are really in their echo chambers, right? So I don't watch mainstream media anymore <laughs> after the last few years. Um, and when I just live my life, um, I have all kinds of uh, diverse people that I interact with every single day, people from the gay community, the trans community, all sorts of ethnicities. And there are, there are just no problems amongst us. And maybe I'm just lucky, but then I turn on CBC and Every, almost every single thing is about racism. So if you watch a lot of mainstream media, then yet that's how you see the world. Uh, and we can all get sucked into our own echo chambers. But again, these things exist, but not to the extent that it's being like forced down everybody's throat in terms of media and like what the schools are teaching. It's it's a lot. Well, and to your point, what I see is that people are actually operating under different ideologies and different basic sets of information. Like people have, based on what media they're consuming, different ideas of what's even happening. Mm -hmm. Because the people that are, um, you know, say promoting one ideology, they're going to promote one set of facts. That doesn't even, I'm not even saying like they're lying. I'm just even saying like they're focusing on one particular viewpoint and one particular way of expressing that viewpoint, like, or one particular story and a particular way of expressing about that story. So something happens and this media is going to report on that thing and they're going to color it with this brush. Then this other media won't even report on that thing. That's or right. like. You know, um, a good one is, and Douglas Murray brought this up in his debate uh, with Malcolm Gladwell about if we should trust mainstream media. He talked about um, that case of that the the gay bar or or like the trans. I'm not sure if it was gay or if it was trans or what what was going on, but it was LGBTQ plus plus whatever um, kind of a space, and it got shot up, and there was all this like uh, mainstream media news that it was like from the from the far right that did that. And then it turned out that the shooter was non-binary. And then the mainstream just like dropped the story. Mm -hmm. They just stopped reporting on it completely. Like it disappeared. And, and so like, you know, it's the, the, not only like are like the type of facts being reported, but the facts about the facts are being reported in a particular way. And that, and, and that's happening in both arenas. And so when I talk about a war, I mean, that's what I mean. That's how you get people to the point of war is that you, you tell one group, this is what's happening and it's them. And then you tell another group, this is what's happening and it's them. And the reason it's them is because that's their identity. Yeah. 
I was just trying to look up some some stats here too, and I'm not going to pull out any numbers in this podcast too. But even the, you know, the narratives uh, about interracial violence, um, about police killings, those stories are not accurately portrayed either. We're we're only getting one story. Um, just one very simple example I can think of is uh, George Floyd. When that happened, that that shouldn't have happened. That man should not have been killed. But what you didn't hear is, I think it was three months earlier, the exact same thing happened to a white man, even like to the details about someone standing on his neck and he suffocated to death. But you didn't hear that because it's not important because of where the white man falls on the hierarchy of things. Yeah, because being a social justice, being into that means I'm going to change the hierarchy. I'm going to. And it really does. It comes from the best intentions, but the best intentions can create the most trouble if the underlying framework is something that's only going to exacerbate the egos of the people involved, which is the the separation, the separation of our identities. And I just don't understand why it's a divisive thing to say that nobody should be killed. I don't understand why that became something really hard to say. You're like, no, you can only talk about certain groups of people being killed. And it only matters really if certain groups of people get killed. I don't think that that's an eye for an eye. That's not bringing things back into balance. That's again, it's against all spiritual teachings. And maybe that's actually the problem is we are falling away from spirit. And that's why all these things are happening. Well, you know, technology is a thing and, and human beings have never had access to this amount of news. So you know, even take us back like 100, 200 years ago, say there was a war that was getting started. You heard about it from the people around you mm-hmm. in your community. People would gather. They would talk about it with each other. They would hear rumors probably. And I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. But like right now the way that we're being um served information we have access to what's happening in the world at every second in every place almost technically we could so now what's happening is we have to choose what news we see Mm -hmm. and there's companies that are making that choice for us so but our minds, our, our humanity isn't capable of understanding the vastness of the of how many humans there are and how many different situations are going on all at once. Mm-hmm. So one thing will rise to the top because people will put it there. But it doesn't mean that, um, you know, a hundred or a thousand or or however many different experiences are happening at the same time of similar ilk. It, but we make it special, we focus on it, and then we tell ourselves a story about it because we that's what we do. Um, you know, and and I mean, of course, spiritual work is the answer. <laughs> but but lives are busy, people are busy, they have other pursuits, they have families to take care of. You know, people can't just like um sit and meditate for hours a day, and and that's not the path for a lot of people. Um, however, we do have to contend with the fact that. Um, where we are creating a reality of, of, of a particular kind right now through this technology. And that reality is, um, you know, 
it's it's not clear. It's not a clear version of reality at the very least. Well, there's there's several pathways that this becomes really, really dangerous. So we start with the kids. The kids are getting incredibly anxious because they are only focused on their outer identities, which is also very confusing. And a lot of them are going down paths that maybe weren't meant for them just because of this emphasis on identity. So we have that. We have tensions in the workplace. We have more conflict. We have people not able to talk to one another anymore then it keeps going. We have actual increased violence. We have things like the riots. And then when we look at like the hierarchy of identities, we have people that if you belong within a certain hierarchy, you're going to get away with more crime than someone that is uh, in, a, in a less accepted hierarchy right now. And I'm gonna take this one step further. I was listening to trigonometry recently and they were asking about the war in russia and why do you think this is happening now and he said very point blank as someone from russia the reason this is happening right now is because a country like that is watching the west and they see how divided it is they see how weak we are because we are fighting amongst ourselves about our pronouns about our identities no one is worried about oh, we need better energy sources and we need to tighten up our food supply. Like they see how weak and divided we are. And this is how bad it gets. Like it's it's the old adage, right? Like divided, uh, divided we are weaker. How does it go? Uh, <laughs> divided we, we fall. Stand, divided we fall. Something yes. like that. Divide and conquer. Yeah. I mean, there's like, it's not, again, it's not like a unknown idea. This is a, this is a thing that's been happening since the beginning of time. And so then there's, you know, we do have to contend with the world the way that it is in that there are different nation states that might look to take advantage of us in a weak moment. That And, that, and so that's what this um, guest on trigonometry seems to be saying is that we're susceptible to attack because we're divided. Personally, I see this as one big manipulation. I would like to, I I think there's a lot of really, really amazing kind-hearted people that really just think this is somehow a road to connection. I genuinely believe they, they, they think that, but I don't, I think this whole thing happened at a really bizarre, convenient time. Do you see this too? Like this happened right before the insanity that was the pandemic, like right before. And maybe I'm conspiratorial, but it really seemed to fit in. You know, I I didn't think anything was wrong with the health measures at first, but I did notice the strangeness of the timing of of the social justice movement. I noticed that I didn't really know what it was about it, but it seemed very strange. I I mean. I think that goes down to that question that people always ask, is this, is this ignorance when they, when they realize that something is being done, that's like not working. Right. So did we end up here? Cause this is ignorance or cause this is malice. And um, that, that is like a question that we never uh, will find out one day, mm-hmm. but there are some things about it that are very, um, just like a little bit too perfect, like linguistically, I'll take the term anti-racist. So say like you're like you and I, and you do want to question this social justice movement. And, 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 and like my intention here is to bring these questions forward from like a very, um, 
You just want to know. Yeah. Like I want to know, I want to logically understand and I, and I want to resolve the problem that I see between these ideas and what I understand to be. So after like 15 years of study and, 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 you know, making my whole life about, um, letting go of, of my ego and my identity and, and how I'm supposed to resolve now making that the most important thing about me. So I, I want to understand that and resolve it. Um, but like, so that's my issue. So I'm not going to promote myself as an anti-racist, but what does that then make me? If, if you don't publicly declare that you are now an anti-racism, what, if I don't, if I'm not an anti-racist, what am I? Well, you must be a racist. Then I must be a racist. Like I, so the, (laughs) there's no, like, I'm an anti-anti-racist. Like I'm not even anti-anything and I don't even want to I don't even actually just like, I don't want to play on that spectrum. I, I, I want, I want us to be having a different kind of a conversation, which is what I'm hoping to begin. But, um, the, the, the way that that language has been laid out, you know, like it's a trap, it's a linguistic trap. It's like, um, you know, you want to talk about like how languages you can be spellbound, like bound by spelling. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, that anti-racist phrase is a linguistic trap. And so I say to myself, how did we decide on these particular words and decide to use them in this way? That seems like just almost intentionally to be trapping us inside of a conversation that we can't seem to get out of. It was the exact same thing with Black Lives Matter. That, That name was chosen very carefully. So uh, the organizers, many of them were expressed market uh, Marxists, which they want to destroy the nuclear family. They want to disrupt and destroy and dismantle. They burn down neighborhoods. Now, if you're against burning down neighborhoods, you're actually against Black Lives Matter. Like it's another linguistic trap because anything that Black Lives Matter does is under the label of Black Lives Matter. So this is what happens with identity politics. Like if you possess a certain identity, then you are free from criticism. You can do anything you want under this label. And that's just not true. No one's free from criticism. So just because you hate the action burning down buildings, it does not mean that you hate people within that identity. That's such a wild idea. But this is what all of this does. There's no more uh, individual discernment. It's only if you belong to the identity, you're all this. You're all racist or you're all victims or like it doesn't matter what the thing is. And this is not what we've been taught as peacemakers or spiritual people, right? It's you judge the person or just not even the person, just the action, you know, just the action and still love the person. But now we're like, no, none of that matters. If you by birth happen to be born into this identity, you are either this or that. And there's no there's no discernment anymore. Well, that's like I think the crux of the issue is like this um, tension between us as a collective and us as individuals. And and, you know, we have to acknowledge our individuality. And anything that doesn't allow us to acknowledge individuality isn't going to work because individuality exists. We Mm -hmm. also exist as interconnected. So anything that doesn't want to acknowledge us as interconnected 
isn't going to work. So where you do get people on the far right that are like, hey, you know what? And this is what this is where the anger is about, right? This is people who have gone into individuality in a way where they don't care about the people around them. They don't care about the environment. They, you know, they do use their position in society to get ahead. And like that, that sort of individuality where it's like, you know what, I'm just going to get, get mine. Like, I don't need to take, I'm not responsible for anybody but me. And I'm just going to make sure that I do the best and there's no rules. And I'm not, I don't care about other people at all. People are angry about that going on. But then the other side of it, as you go far and deep into this collectivism, it forgets that we are individuals. So now all of a sudden I'm being oppressed in a new way. I'm being told that in order to be part of this group or that group, in order to be a good member in standing in this group or that group, I have to now adhere to this. I have to, I lose my individual autonomy. And what I'm saying is that the only solution we're ever going to come to is something that respects the individual autonomy and has us working together as interconnected, as interdependent. And human beings have yet to figure that out, how to do that in community. So that's why we're caught between these two poles of, you know, only the individual or only the collective. It's both and. We are individuals inside of a collective and every decision we make needs to honor both those realities, I think. When you said collectivism, I just got shivers because like in a, in a bad way, because that's, I used to be a liberal because liberals were more open and there was more space to like be yourself. But I see the left going further and further and further left towards collectivism towards Marxist ideology towards all these things. So on the other side where we have individualism, where we have freedom of expression, where you can be whatever religion you want, there's more space while still seeking commonality, right? So the commonality is that we all are children of God. We all deserve the same rights and freedoms. This is more on the right, right? We all deserve the same rights and freedoms. So there is an individuality there, but there's still, we're the same in that we all deserve the same rights. Now what's happening over on the left that I'm witnessing is that word collectivism, but it's based on something forced and you are part of the collective and you actually don't have rights, you have privileges. And if you take a privilege that's not yours, well, you are no longer a part of the collective and you will be kicked out. It There's something so scary about the left's idea of being together. It's you're in or you're out and this is the way it is. And there's no more rights, there's privileges. And this is where my suspicion is. Why did that happen right before we were forced to do a whole bunch of things we didn't wanna do? Very, very scary. Well, it, it sort of crept into the language because in in terms of, of, of this hierarchy um, of oppression, um, there there's a privilege, right? You're privileged. You have to acknowledge that you've had privilege. And all of a sudden you've got a group of people, like people that are saying like, I have privilege. I am as a, as a white cisgender woman, I'm privileged. Um, and then suddenly people were saying like, 
you have privileges. Those are, those are privileges you have. And that's not actually the basis and the fundamentals basis for our society. Like, again, I, I have a commerce degree in economics and in law. So the fundamental building block of our society is not privileges. Like you show me where it's written that I have what privileges I have. Mm -hmm. I understand they're saying socioculturally there are privileges, but, but, but the, the fundamental building blocks of our society are based in rights. Mm -hmm. And, and those are inalienable rights. Those are rights I have as a human being that is equal to all other human beings. And those things are written and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And that's, that privileges are like, um, you know, that's like if I had a, a parent, that's like if I was a child, because how do you control a collective, right? Well, the only um, formula we have for that is in our families. So all of a sudden things start to feel a lot like I'm supposed to be a child in this situation and I have privileges. Just like you heard people saying, like, follow the rules. Well, you know what? I don't, there, there isn't rules, there's laws. Those laws have to adhere to the rights that are laid out. So you, something can't be a law if it doesn't follow the rights that we have in our society. And so when people start saying, like, you have to follow the rules, well, who has rules? people who have rulers or parents. I don't have rulers. Um, I do have parents, but I'm an adult. So there are laws, you know, that govern my behavior, what I can't do. Rules are kind of like what you have to do. That's different than what you can't do. So you can see everything starting to get inverted in the language. Mm -hmm. In a way that's taking us taking us out of this place where we have human rights. And those human rights were like, they were fought for and discovered over a long period of time in which we didn't have them. So. Uh, that word uh, privilege, you know, it was a privilege to go to a restaurant. I could maybe be like, uh, maybe like, I don't really care if I go to a restaurant, but all of a sudden it was a privilege to be able to leave the country. Oh, it's actually a privilege to be able to work. Oh, bodily autonomy is a privilege. Pardon my, my body and what I put in it is, is a privilege all of a sudden. And this is a really dangerous slippery slope. Cause then what else? is going to be a privilege the money in my bank account my property is that a privilege the thing that i worked for like i once we once we start to let go of the idea that we have rights and laws and we move into privilege and rulers rules um you know we end up in all sorts of uh like paradoxes i guess i would say and um you know, that the body autonomy one is really is a very interesting one because that one happened on the right and the left in a very like immediate way, like almost karmic, where um, you had in general the left wanting vaccine mandates, which is like the collective saying you collectively for the collective, you have to put this in your body. And then the abortion issue came up in the United States. And um, that's where the left was like, you know, my body, my choice <laughs> at this, at like almost the same time. 
And, and what's so interesting about that is that that is a right wing thing. That is an individualistic thing. It is a patriarchal thing to say, because it's a, it is a female, like a, a, a woman issue. Um, and from a patriarchal standpoint, it is like the, the, the patriarchal men telling women what you can and can't do with your body. And then here where you have like the individualists that are saying, wait a minute, you can't tell me what to put in my body. But then at the same time, this inconsistency where the patriarchy is telling the women that they can't do what they want with their body. So there was this like, it was just, see, it's all messed up. It doesn't matter what side you're on. It's all inconsistent (laughs) and hypocritical. Like stop being on a side and get some integrity, get some, get some like the, the human right is the inalienable human right is that it's your body. That's the inalienable human right. That's the, you know. This is all exceptionally confusing. And this really brings me back just to the very, the very first thing you said about the first time you experienced this was in a transformational work container. This is where it started. It started from transformational work. Now, transformational work can do some amazing things. We can pull out uh, past traumas, some unconscious things that people weren't aware of. It can be incredibly healing and it's incredibly powerful. And this worries me that those ideas came from a transformational container. Uh, I was on the Sean Newman podcast recently talking about SEL and how this is a way to manipulate the way people think, the way that children think. This is a problem, all of these things. And because they're so confusing, people can't really pull out exactly what the problem is. But it really feels like a manipulation, especially like you said in your experience, when you tried to ask questions, you were just shut down. There was no there was no engagement. It was just fall in line with this way of thinking. Well, they engaged with me until they realized I wasn't going to drop the point. (laughs) until until they realized I was like no still that makes no sense um but you know and then it every there's a lot of cults out there there's been a lot of cults out there because all of this work can be used for good or evil because it just matters where you're coming from it matters if you're coming from protecting the ego or if you're really coming from how are we going to do this really difficult job of both acknowledging individual right and and acknowledging that we are part of an interconnected world we're all sharing this space together we're not alone even if we perceive ourselves as separate and that's difficult and it's nuanced and the best like the best path forward is if we all agree on, um, you know, some value system and we are having like an identity crisis, um, you know, in the West. So that value system is, 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 you know, is in question right now. And maybe that's something that we all have to go through, but like um, further division and further focus on these identities um, is, is a recipe for disaster. In in my mind, and um, the fact that it was uh, begun out of a transformational group is like they have a lot of tools, and if things go in the wrong direction in those groups, this is the kind of mess you end up in. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no way out of it. So you get to the point where you're like, I've gone through all these logical points and still your argument doesn't make sense. And I'm seeing real life harm in front of me. And then they have like their next point, which is, well, that's just your white fragility. And again, you just hit this, like, you just hit this wall and you're like, oh, okay. And then I don't even know what the point, like what the next step is past that, but there's just, there's just nowhere to go. There's just nowhere to go. Well, because it's not, it's not white fragility. It's your ego. And you, mm -hmm. we all have it. It's a misdirection. And that's the thing that's like, again, why I can't just sit idly by it just, and, and just watch this all happen is because it's not. Um, if, if we're not giving people the ability to really do the work of understanding how they are as human beings, of understanding how it is that the ego functions and what they can do to um, untangle themselves from the grip of fear that the ego creates for all of us. Mm -hmm. if, if people are being told that that's just, it's just the fact that you're white and so you're sensitive, they're being blocked from doing that work, from freeing themselves. Mm -hmm. And that again is the, it's been the focus of my life has been to do that work and to, and to, to try to muddle through being a teacher for others in that work. So, um, you know, that, uh, creating that blockage like that, um, and misdirecting people about it is like, it's just, I have to say something and, and, you know, I'll come what may come what may I, you know, it's time. Got to, something's got to be said. And again, I think if I don't need to be right, I think if all of these theories and ideologies and practices, I think if they worked, um, I think I, I probably would have stayed in the work, but I did it for a long time and watched as things got worse and worse and more nonsensical and more violent and more divided. And it's, it's just not, it's just not working. It's just not working. Um, like for me, like seeing each other as equals, finding commonality, understanding that we are all connected, that we can be, we can celebrate our differences, but we don't need to obsess about our differences and that we're, we'd all actually be better off if we focused on how we're actually more similar than different. Well, it's a complicated world. And, you know, I agree with you that, that, um, things seemed better before and that this doesn't seem to be working. And I'm open to that. It then sparks up the kind of conversation we're having, which is maybe the conversation that needs to be had to move the whole thing forward. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, like I fundamentally believe we're in the middle of a process and sometimes in the middle of a process of transformation, things get bad. <laughs> like things seem like all is lost. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, it could feel that way. Um, but I, I, I would like to believe that humanity is going to, you know, and then, so, so you say like, what is something good is something bad? Well, like all we can do is see what direction we're heading in and course correct. I think we just watch the States because Canada is like the slow cousin to the United States. Like the United States is just like a crystal ball and that place is blowing up like divided right now it's just it's just not working so i think canada's a little slower to that especially because you know we have state controlled media and there's a, a certain 
narrative that needs to be portrayed. We're not we're not having conversations like this on mainstream media. There is only there is only one narrative allowed on mainstream media. And that's a problem because that is what most people watch. And a year ago, I probably would have been too scared to have this conversation. But I've done a lot of work this year and I've interviewed a whole lot of people from a lot of different communities. And it's not just some white women that think this. <laughs> There's people from all sorts of religions and cultures, sexualities, communities, political stances that all see the problems with the the problems with this. So but you're right, it needs sometimes it just needs to get worse before it gets better. Unfortunately, that's how we learn, right? Seems to be our lot in life. Um, you know, human beings seem to, I think there's a famous quote that's like, um, the suffering will end when the lesson is learned. Mm. I would prefer less suffering. So um, I'm, you know, want to talk about the lessons that I think I'm learning and, and spread that information as far and wide as I can and, um, and hopefully move a conversation forward because it's the conversation that we're having with ourselves and with the people around us and online that is driving all of this. The reality is um, quite different, I think, than the conversations we're in. I would be totally open to a debate one day uh, with someone that disagrees with you. I think it would be really hard to find someone that could debate you in the same tone and pitch as you, someone that wouldn't get I don't know maybe I'm wrong but I've had lots of these conversations and it usually goes just to name calling but if there is someone out there that can handle a nuanced conversation and wants I'm open to learning I am absolutely open to learning and maybe there's something here that I am missing and if somebody wants to come on and debate Natalie she's very kind very willing to have open conversations like this. I'm really putting you on the spot here. <laughs> no, I love that. And, and um, you know, maybe we could frame it as, as a conversation and just a, a, a mutual discovery instead of a debate, because ultimately um, I think that the, the it's like you say, like the proof is in the pudding. Like it right now, the world is only more divided and, than it ever has been, seems that way. And so we needed to start and to spark a different conversation. And that actually will only happen when we bring people together with different viewpoints who are not going to take things personally, but who are going to say like, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's why. Okay. This is what I see. Here's why. Okay. Let's talk about how we can move a situation forward in a way that we all want to see the world be a better place for everybody. I want people to have equal opportunity. There are things that need to change. Yeah. It's just how we're going about it. That is like setting off, um, you know, alarm bells in my head. <laughs> and there you'll get, you'll get stuck in the conversation right there, right? Like equal opportunity versus equality of outcome. Those are two very different things too. This conversation would be six hours, I can tell. <laughs> I'm like, you want to start talking? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I know we're pretty aligned on on that, on that between you and I. But yeah, this conversation. Well, you know, I I'm I'm open to understanding more. And I don't, 
I actually think most people really believe they're doing the right thing and are really trying to be good people. And that has a lot to do with what I understand about identity. I think that most people are really trying to be good people. And what I'm saying is that's the trap. You already are. Yeah. You already are. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you already are blessed Mm -hmm. child of God, you know, like you're all, you already. So it's the trying to be good. That's like, it's a foible. It's a foible of the ego where we are innocent of this situation that we're caught in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very different than what's being taught right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Imagine teaching people innocence instead of guilt. And you're already, you're already a good person. And imagine the effect that that would have on the person. You're you're actually a good, like finding that kind of empathy. You're actually a good person doing your best right now. Like you just saying that to me, even though you weren't direct, you weren't necessarily speaking to me, I feel like I can relax and do better. But if you're like, actually, Carla, you're a perpetrator and you can never get out of it and you should be guilty. Well, now just like my back's up against the wall. And honestly, there's no amount of work. You can pretend that there is work that, can allow you to soften into that i uh i don't know i don't know i i think it's like brene brown says like i assume that people are doing their best all people i like to think that everyone's doing their best that is how i like to go about the world except for justin trudeau he's not he's evil but everyone (laughs) else i believe they're doing their best i think there's a lot of good people in this movement and i think their guilt has been weaponized against them that's the guilt thing it's it's a it's like candy to the ego candy to a baby it's you like it's it is is the ego's favorite game you know and and uh it, it's it's it, it will keep us trapped in in trying to execute blame and punishment and um and, and keep us in that drive drama triangle so yeah carla it's if we taught people that they are doing their best and yeah, there's problems and, 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 and opportunities to change the world. But then if we came from that baseline of like, but you know, I see you and I, I see what's good about you. Hmm. I don't know. Seems, Seems like, like we're better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then our fight flight freeze wouldn't come up then we wouldn't feel attacked then we wouldn't feel like we have to defend and have to show that we're actually a good person okay but one more thing it's in that it's right there it's right when you try to show that you're a good person that mm-hmm. somebody else says here's how you show you're a good person do what i say mm-hmm. it's it's actually that's actually how we oppress ourselves I'll say it that way mm-hmm. through other people, right. Is, is we feel guilty. So we, and that's, you want, you know, like everybody Catholic church did it for centuries. You're guilty. You're a sinner. Now do what I say, then you'll be good. It's a, it's a control tactic. All my conspiracy friends that are listening, I'm just going to say that here. So right Right after you were made to feel very, very guilty, you were offered a chance to redeem yourself by putting something in your body. <laughs> How convenient. How convenient. The next is your car. You're going to have to give that car up. 
I'm taking it far now. This is not Natalie. This is Carla's conspiracy brain, but I just, this is, this is not a good way to manipulate people. Yeah, we're, we're, um, it's, it's, it leaves us open to manipulation, but, but, you know, so here, like the church is falling apart, right? Like, that's what I hear is like, and I see less and less people being involved in traditional Christianity, um, certainly seems that way to me. I've got no opinion about it. I'm not a, a religious person that way. Um, however, we still have that feeling of like guilt, you know? And so there's just next, there's a new way to be guilty. Mm-hmm. There's just a new way to be guilty. And then there's a new situation occurring, um, where it's just, we're susceptible to other people. When we feel guilty, we're susceptible to being told what to do to make ourselves better. Mm-hmm. But if you just start from like, Hey, you're, you're innocent and you're doing your best. And if you've made mistakes, like, okay. Then we can hear each other and we wouldn't need to cancel each other and refuse to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're in just like a, an identity crisis, ego trap at a cultural level. No big deal. <laughs> um you know so we'll just keep doing what we can which is having a conversation about the potential for another way inviting another way um and 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 you know opening the door for people with different ideas to actually have a conversation Mm -hmm. natalie if people want to find you if they want to um have this conversation with you again uh what's the best way to get a hold of you Instagram right now is the best way to get a hold of me on my Instagram account. And I think probably that'll be in your show notes. And it is at I am Natalie.ann. I'm just double checking that that's correct. Yeah, I am Natalie.ann with an E. And I'm a friend of Carla's on Instagram. Awesome. I appreciate your time here. It's good to have you on the show again. If you guys like having Natalie on too, make sure that you write me and we'll bug her and have her back and we'll put her in a precarious position with a whole bunch of people to to have conversations with too. I'm just kidding. I won't do that to you. Awesome, Natalie. Thank you. What an episode. I don't know about you, but the first time I heard Natalie speak about identity politics, I I was like, maybe, maybe. Maybe she's on to something. But after letting these ideas really sit in my body and then watching how the world continues to push things that maybe don't have the best outcomes, these ideas really have taken hold. I really think that there is a better way to do things. And I absolutely see how this emphasis on identity of hierarchy of separation seems to be making things so much worse. Shedding light on the fact that something isn't working is the best way to make solutions happen. I mean, it's no wonder why cancel culture gets in the way of us creating solutions that actually matter. It was uncomfortable for many of us to learn these ideas in the first place. And then This is a whole other level of discomfort to think that now we might have to unravel what was just drilled into us. 
The truth, guys, is always somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. I'm still learning. I definitely don't have all the answers, but I think this is a really, really important conversation that we can all learn from. If you'd like to learn more about Natalie, you can check out the show notes, click the link, visit her on Instagram. And if you like what we're doing over here on Sensemaking, consider hitting the subscribe button or sharing this episode to your Instagram. We'll make sure to tag you, get you in front of our audience so we really start to build this community of freedom thinkers and sense makers. Thanks, guys. I'll see you next time.